You know, I'm always amazed when I think about the miracle that is the church. I mean, when you think about it, the very fact that the church even exists and has existed for 2,000 years is really a miracle because of a number of reasons. The church lacks an essential element that any great human endeavor has, and that is human control. What I mean by that is this, that the existence of the church is completely dependent upon God making people a part of it. And on top of that, the people that are a part of it have all had a similar experience, an experience with someone that lived 2,000 years ago. And this experience cannot be observed. This experience that we've had with Jesus, it cannot be uh, scientifically proven. It cannot be reproduced by humans in a laboratory. And on top of all that, the message of the church, the essential message of the church, includes a very unfavorable and unpopular message because it includes this, this simple uh, fact that you're a bad person. And immediately you get the sense that the church has a marketing issue. I mean, what kind of uh, message is that if you want to be successful going around telling people that they're bad people? Um, not a very popular message at all. And then you add to that the fact that the church is very restrictive in its membership. What I mean by that is that anyone is welcome to come and hear just how bad they truly are. But only those people that have an experience with this man that lived 2,000 years ago are actually allowed to be a part of this thing we call the church. And then... On top of all of that, the church, like any endeavor, requires both money and labor to operate. But every business on earth pays its laborers to produce a service or good, but not the church. The church asks its laborers to pay it. In fact, there are certain roles in the church that are reserved only for those that are faithful in paying for the services and the goods that the church produces. And on top of all of that, you consider this simple fact that the founder of the church calls its members a rather unflattering term. In fact, it's his favorite term for those that are a part of his church. And that term is that you and I are sheep. And when you think about being a sheep, that's really not a very flattering thing to think about. And, uh, you know, you take all of this together and you get this idea that the church really is a miracle, the very fact that it exists. But it has, exist, has existed, it does exist, and it will exist until the end of the age. And so today I want to look at that very final idea that our founder, Jesus Christ, calls us sheep. And so we're going to do a little study today of uh, what you might call ancient Jewish ovenology. And I know that you're excited about this, about ancient Jewish ovenology. And I, know, I don't know the last time you've studied ancient Jewish ovenology. 
But I'm sure that you're ready for a refresher today, right? Now, ovenology, as you probably already know, is the study of sheep. And I know that you're probably thinking, as exciting as it is to study sheep. And as much as the thought of sheep causes my heart and mind to overflow with joy and happiness and thanksgiving, I'm wondering why, Pastor, today's subject in your sermon is sheep, if I may ask. And of course, you may ask that question. Ask and you shall receive. Well, there are two reasons for talking about sheep today. Number one, Jesus calls us sheep because there are so many similarities between sheep and us. Jesus doesn't call us lions. He doesn't call us hippos. He he doesn't call us elephants or giraffes, but he calls us sheep. And it's because we don't have any characteristics, really, that we share with any of those other kind of animals. But we share a lot of characteristics with sheep. And so when I talk about sheep today, please know that I'm talking about you. Okay? And not just the baby sheep called you. But I'm literally talking about Y-O-U. All right? Now, a lot of people think that sheep are dumb, but that's far from the truth. Sheep are actually very highly intelligent animals. People think that sheep are are dumb because sheep can't be trained like dogs to go fetch a stick. Sheep can't be uh, trained like a circus animal can be trained to do this or that. And so people think, well, sheep are just dumb. Uh, But that's not exactly true. People also think sheep are dumb because sheep repeat the same mistakes, even the mistakes that they most recently made. But that has nothing to do with their intelligence. You see, those issues have nothing to do with the lack of the sheep's intelligence. It has to do with the sheep's nature. Sheep are very intelligent creatures. They really are, and I'll show you in a minute. But they are also creatures of habit. They're creatures of their very nature, just like you and me. You see, it's simply not in the nature of sheep to be trained. And it's obviously also not in the nature of sheep to learn from their mistakes. I mean, you can find a sheep, and the sheep can be out in the field with the other sheep, very close to the sheepfold, and all the other sheep may go into the sheepfold, but you'll have one sheep. Within sight of the sheepfold, within sight of his shepherd, where you know there's safety, he knows there's, there's all the things that he needs, there's protection for him there, and all he has to do is go to the left and go into the sheepfold, and what will that one sheep do? He'll go to the right. It'll wander away from home, even within sight of the shepherd. And let me tell you, that has nothing to do with intelligence. Any more than your wandering away from your shepherd has to do with your intelligence. It's not about intelligence. It's about temptation. The sheep is tempted to go astray. There's something to the right that he wants. And so he goes astray from his master and his shepherd. Sheep are also very relationally oriented Sheep love to be in groups. You don't find a a sheep out in the wilderness all by himself. If you do, it means that sheep is lost. Because it's the nature of sheep to be in groups. It's the nature of sheep to be related to others. And so sheep actually develop very deep bonds with one another. If If a sheep develops a deep bond with another sheep, and that other sheep gets in a fight, his friend will come and fight with him. 
Sheep have such deep bonds that if a sheep's friend passes away, that sheep will go into mourning. The sheep will stop eating. The sheep will be visibly sad and go into mourning over the loss of his friend. Sounds a lot like you and me. God made us to be relational creatures as well. Sheep have difficulty perceiving when they are in danger, just like you and me. You know, and and you might think, well, that's not true of me. I know when I'm in danger. I know how to stay away from danger. I'm smart enough to stay away from danger. Uh, But you think about it. You think about the other people that you have observed in this life, right? You see other people, and you look at them, and and you think, why in the world are you making that decision? Why are you going that path? Why are you going that direction? Because it leads to disaster for you. And whether or not you speak up and you say something, you're at least thinking it. We all know people that we think, why did they make such bad decisions in life? They brought on disaster for themselves, right? Guess what? People think the same thing about you. You see, the reality is none of us actually think that about ourselves. None of us consciously say, you know, I'm going to make a stupid decision today. I'm going to go out and do this dumb thing that's going to get me in trouble, that's going to destroy my relationships and take all my money. That's what I'm going to do today. Nobody says that. Now, everyone else observes you doing it. And sometimes you're the one observing other people doing it. Okay? So the problem is we have blind spots. We don't see ourselves doing it, but we can see other people doing it. We're just like sheep. We're oblivious to when we're the ones who are in danger. Unless we've been given the wisdom of God and we seek the wisdom of God. Sheep also need constant care. You know, there's other animals, a lot of other animals that are able to live out on their own. You get a pack of wolves, they can go out and they can live on their own. They get their own food, they get their own water, they're fine by themselves. A bear can go live by itself, a bear doesn't need any help, right? But sheep need constant care. Sheep need to be watered daily. Sheep need to be shorn seasonally. Sheep need to be given, in fact, more care than any other kind of livestock. It's just the nature of sheep. And sheep are essentially defenseless. They're defenseless. Sheep don't have claws where they can scratch one of their enemies that might try to attack them. They, they have cloven hooves. It sounds like that. They have, what, are you, what are you going to do with a cloven hoof against an enemy? Not much. Sheep don't have quills like porcupines that can stick one of their enemies and, and get one of their enemies to get away from them. They don't, they don't have uh, a spray like a skunk. I, I, I don't want to know what a sheep smells like, but I do know this. They don't smell as bad as a skunk. Okay, and and we all know that skunks have a particular kind of defense system where they can spray that nasty smell. Sheep don't have that. Sheep have teeth, but not like the teeth of a lion that can tear apart an enemy. Sheep can bite, and I'm sure it will hurt, but it won't be a death blow to an enemy. You and I are a lot like that, too. We're pretty defenseless, too. And you might say, oh, not me. I'm from Texas. I got my gun. Got my knife. I can defend me and my family. Well, hey, that's good. I hope you do defend yourself. Hope you do defend your family. You have an obligation to. 
But let me tell you something. You have an enemy that a gun and knife won't do a thing about. You have a spiritual enemy. And for that, you need a different kind of weapon. You see, the reality is that you and I are pretty defenseless as well, at least against that enemy. And I want you to think about this. If sheep are easily tempted to go astray, if they need to be with others, if they're prone to stumble into danger, if they need constant care to remain healthy and alive, and if they are essentially defenseless, then sheep need something. And, and that's the second reason that we're looking at sheep today. And it's the main reason, because sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of a few centuries ago, wrote these words, Sheep have nothing to do with their own feeding, guidance, or protection. They have only to follow their shepherd unto the pastures which he prepares, and all will be well with them. That's it. That's all you have to do, O flock of God. Follow your shepherd. And I'm talking about the great shepherd, not this under-shepherd. You follow the great shepherd. That is your essential role. Follow him. And you know, it is very fortunate for us that we do have a shepherd. He understands our temptations, doesn't he? He brings us together with others, doesn't he? He keeps us from danger. He gives us constant care. He defends us. And there's no be more beautiful passage of Scripture that describes what our shepherd does than the 23rd Psalm. And that's our text today. We're going to run through the 23rd Psalm real quick. So I invite you, if you have your Bible, to turn to Psalm 23. Your translation might not look exactly like the one that I'm using today. In fact, I'll readily admit the King James translation is the most beautiful of all English translations. Yeah, it's about 400 years old, but it's very beautiful. And, but we're going to read from a more recent one, and uh, we're going to see how the Lord is our shepherd. Yahweh Raha. The Lord is our shepherd. Psalm 23, this is King David writing. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. That's what that means in King James, I shall not want. It means I have everything I need. I have everything I need. Why? Why do I have everything I need? One simple fact. Because the Lord is my shepherd. That's it. If a sheep has his shepherd, the sheep has everything. And if you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your shepherd, you have everything. Everything. There's nothing you lack. There's nothing you want. The rest of this beautiful psalm describes how the Lord is our shepherd and how he gives us everything that we need. In verse 2, we understand how he provides for us. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
Here we have two things mentioned. We have the green pastures, that's the grass. We have the quiet water, that's obviously the water. And those are mentioned first because those meet the most essential needs of the sheep. Sheep need food. Sheep need refreshment. They need water. And what this means for us is that since God meets our most basic needs, right? I don't see anybody here who is starving to death, especially after Thanksgiving, right? I don't see anybody here who is without clothes. That would be unusual at church, wouldn't it? God has provided for us, hasn't he? He's given us the most basic provisions that we need. We have air to breathe. We have water to drink. We have food to eat. We have the clothing on our backs. We have provisions. We have a place to live. God provides for us the most basic things that we need. And what he wants from us is simply this, to be free from worry about these things. Don't worry about these things. Jesus said that, didn't he? Don't worry about these simple things. Put your trust in him. Put your focus on the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So we can rest in God's provision. And we discover in this verse that the Lord is our peace. He is, he is our quietness. You know, when sheep, actual sheep, need water, they need a certain kind of water. The water needs to flow, but it needs to flow slowly. The water needs to not be dangerous and loud and disturbing because a sheep cannot handle that. A sheep will quickly get washed down the river and drown. But we, like actual sheep, we need a type of flowing water that makes a little or no sound. We need places where there's fresh and peaceful and quiet waters. A spring of water, you might say, even given over to us for eternal life. And the Lord does something very interesting here in the second part of verse 2. It says, He leads me. He leads me. The Lord does not drive us like cattle. Okay? It's not as if He's on His horse and He's whipping us and scaring us to go where we need to go. No, the Lord is leading the way. He is our example. And we freely and willingly follow Him. Because we know the safest place in the world to be is with our shepherd. The next thing we learn is that the Lord restores us. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. This idea of renewing my life, what does that mean? What that actually means is this. That the Lord, when we go astray, the Lord takes us. Right back to where we went astray, to that very same spot. And then, so that's what renewing my life means. It means he brings us back to where we went astray, and then he leads us again. Maybe this time we won't go astray. Maybe this time we'll follow the shepherd. And he leads us again down the right paths. Why? So that he can get the glory. It's for his name's sake. And so the Lord not only takes us back when, he go, when we go astray, but he shows us how to live our lives. Next, we learn how the Lord protects us in verse 4. Even though when I go through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, right? Even though I, when I go through the darkest valley, I fear 
No danger. If you're a helpless, little, defenseless sheep and you're going through a terrifying valley and there may be enemies on all sides, why aren't you afraid? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We have no reason to fear because God is with us. God will protect us from our enemies. He'll use that rod, which we've learned is a short club-like stick, to ward off any enemies. He'll use that staff, it's that shepherd's staff with the crook at the end, to guide us, to lift us, to pull us, if we get stuck in the thorns, if you will. You can take comfort in your shepherd's rod. You can take comfort in your shepherd's staff because he uses these instruments for your benefit. And then we finally learn how the Lord blesses us. In verses 5 and 6, we read, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. What's the picture here? The picture here is that the Lord takes you and he seats you at a great banquet. You're seated at this tremendous feast. And you're there at the table. And your enemies, all the people that wish you ill in this life, they come in and they're standing around the table and they're watching you as you partake of the food. And they have to stand there and observe how much the Lord loves you. But they can't touch you. And so you partake of this great feast. And the Lord comes over, or he sends one of his servants. And he takes, as is the custom in ancient Near Eastern uh, regions, even to this day, he, he takes some olive oil mixed with some herbs, and he pours it on your head, and it cleanses you and refreshes you, and he pours it on your arms and on your feet, and you're refreshed and you smell beautiful. You smell wonderful because this is how people are treated hospitably in the ancient Near East. And then he takes your cup and he fills it to the rim And he keeps filling it over. And it's an indication, even though it's making a mess everywhere, it's an indication that as long as you're with the Lord at his feast, you will have more than enough. What an incredibly beautiful scenario. And finally, in the last verse, we read, Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me All the days of my life. Think about that. All the days of your life. God's goodness pursues you. God's faithful love. That covenant love that God has for his people. It pursues you no matter where you go. All the days of your life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful sentiment. What a beautiful picture that we will be with the Lord. How long? Forever. Forever. Listen, if you're not yet a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't know why you would not be. I mean, I don't know what's holding you back. The reality is that the Lord wants you to follow Him. And the Lord wants you to see Him for who He truly is. He is your shepherd. He will care for you, protect you, provide for you. And if you look at the Lord Jesus Christ and somehow you doubt that He will be that for you, I wish I knew how to convince you otherwise. I don't. It is simply a matter of faith where you say, at some point in your life, and I hope it's today, where you will say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm ready for Him to be my shepherd. If that's your desire today, if you're ready to follow Him, all you have to do is say yes. You know that you're a sinner. You know that you've messed up. Every single person in this room has, including myself. We've all sinned against God, but God has forgiven us. He's provided forgiveness by sending His Son, the Great Shepherd, to die on a cross to pay for your sins and mine. And He brings us to the point of decision where we can say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, or we can turn and go our own way. It's your choice. But I hope that today you'll follow Him.